Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode of Believe is brought to you by Cryptid Coffee Co., Use promo code BELIEVE on checkout for 10% off their angry Yowie coffee blend. Head over to cryptid.com.au to check them out. It was just the most massive thing I've ever seen. I, to tell you the honest truth, I thought, well, we're the only ones left on this planet. Something's happened. It missed something here. The fear that went in me when I seen it was just, um, like the feeling, I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling before in my entire life. It's a weird feeling, like you can't explain it when you don't know. You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is. We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left, and another one just across the road, shaking the daylight out of the tree. All we get is a big red eye. I remember waking up and looking at the end of the bed and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked out. Welcome to the show, everyone. My name is Cade Moyer, and you are listening to the Believe Paranormal and UFO Podcast. If you have had an encounter and would like to share it, please get in touch with me. My email address is believepod at gmail.com. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to leave us a rating or review wherever you listen and head on over to our website, believepod.com, and consider becoming a member to get bonus episodes and video content. For our final episode of Season 17, we are diving into the voicemail to share your stories. If you want to be featured in the next episode of Tales from the Voicemail, you can find our call-in number in the show notes. But for now, sit back and enjoy the scary stories. I'd like to um, discuss my one of my son's experiences with past life or what I believe is a past life. My son was only about six years old. He came to me um, one morning and very matter of fact told me that he'd been stabbed in his dream. I sat him down and asked him to tell me all about it. He described as being in a large group of soldiers. He didn't actually use the word soldiers. He described it as just a group of uh, he said they were wearing helmets, they had little swords. Um, he described in great detail what they were wearing. Um, so it definitely was a group of soldiers. He said they were all being um, on they were all on foot, and he said they were being led, or he said there was a man up the, up the front wearing a funny helmet. He said that the man in the front held up his hand, um, signalling the group to stop. And as they looked around them, they could see people laying on the road in front. And he said he knew they were dead. Um, the next thing he knew, people were yelling and jumping out from the forest on either side. He said some were wearing animal skins, like with um, that he described it as, at the time he was bear, wolf, um, but the pelt was on their shoulders and head mainly. He said some of them had um, paint or some sort of um, smudging on their face. He said they were carrying um, little short swords, but they weren't the same swords he was carrying. Um, Arrows, little axes um, that were basically ambushed. He said 
that was he wasn't worried he said he wasn't worried about um like he wasn't worried about death but he was worried about leaving his friends so he described it to me as I left I was scared so I ran but I left them he said the next thing he knew he was grabbed from behind he said he could feel the arm come around his chest and stab him in the back in the upper back and then he lifted up his pajama shop uh, his pajama top and he showed me where he was also stabbed in the upper chest um, he he knew he was dying he knew death was coming but he said death didn't worry him he was just more concerned that he had, he had run away he was really really upset he was crying he said I left them I left them I ran mum I left them I ran um, he was visibly upset about that fact, not about the fact that he had died. Um, so I have studied ancient history um, and archaeology, so I had a fairly good idea of what he was describing, but I wasn't sure. So I pulled up Google and just asked him to stop me if anything looked familiar, and I was just flicking through images of Roman army images. And he t he pointed out to so the guy in the funny helmet was in fact a Roman centurion. Um, the uniform that James had described, the sword that he was carrying, was a Roman foot soldier. Like 100%. The stuff he described, I mean, he couldn't... At six years old, he had not even been exposed to any sort of ancient history. Um, so the fact that he could come up with these sort of details was just absolutely mind-boggling. Um, so it, it, to me, it was clear he was part of some sort of Roman legion. Don't know where. Um, he didn't know where. He just could describe the terrain and what he was wearing. Possibly, based on the description he gave me, they were barbarians. Um, so there is a few more well-known attacks um, in, involving them. But once again, it's a bit hard to say where or who or... Um. Anyway, so he is now 13 years old and he can still recall that in great detail. I mean, I can ask him any question. He can tell me just as though it was yesterday. And for me, for, like with my own personal experiences, which I believe are past lives, I definitely think they're past lives. I mean, I don't think those sort of dreams where you can feel, you can smell, you can, you know, and a child, I mean, a six-year-old child, I don't think you can just write it off as being fantasy or a dream. I think past lives are definitely real. Um, and for children more so, I mean, he was visibly upset about it. Um, he has actually had several past life, or what I believe are past life dreams. Um, another one, he described himself as being in World War II. Um, he didn't actually tell me if he was English or Australian or part of another army, but he did say that he was um, shot by the Nazis. So he was actually lined up with other men and shot shot dead um, he hasn't told me too much about that but it's interesting that he, he does I mean, he obviously recalls that and recalls being shot but he's actually very very much obsessed with World War 2 and modern history um, another one which we actually had a shared experience just very 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 quickly he was about 3 years old I had had a dream the previous night of being um, it was it was almost like a Stonehenge, but it wasn't Stonehenge. Uh, we were a group of birds. We were in a circle. Um, we were there were fire torches, and I'd had a baby. Um, I remember running away from this group because for the reason they were going to sacrifice a child. I was actually a seer, or what was known as a seer. Um, anyway, in this dream, I was just running. I could feel the, the sticks run down like uh, scratching into my bare feet. It was incredibly vivid, incredibly detailed. I just woke up the, the next morning and just thought, wow, you know. 
a couple of probably weeks, I would say weeks later, I was picking up my son from my mother because I was working full time. And he started yabbering away to me in the back. So he was only three, so he wasn't really forming sentences. He wasn't really talking. He was saying a few words in there. He actually said to me, Mummy, you Brina, you Brina. And that's how he said it. Um, he described in detail the dream, um, but from a different perspective. He described how I looked. He asked why I had, I had cut my hair, why I had, I had dyed my hair. He said I had long black hair. Um, it was I was actually so shocked and so shaken. I pulled over on the side of the road just to um, listen to him and just gather my thoughts because I, I physically could not drive. I was really, really shocked. And then he went on to describe that we lived together in what he described. He perfectly described um, a, a roundhouse. He described the dog we had, um, that there was just me and him living at this roundhouse with this dog. It was absolutely mind-boggling. A child at that age that was hardly even forming sentences was recalling in detail the dream I had had weeks previous. Interestingly enough, when we relocated to England, um, when he was about five years old, we did take him to Stonehenge probably when he was about six or seven. And he went up to one of the exhibits because there's a um, like an exhibition centre there and they've got a lot of stuff on, deep, uh, on show, uh, Stone Stone Age tools, etc. And he actually went up to the exhibit that the lady was rearranging and told her that she had placed the tools in the wrong position, that it wasn't correctly labelled. And when my husband reprimanded him, she said, oh, no, he's quite right. We actually haven't moved into its proper location yet. And she looked at me and looked at James, and I could see the look on her face. I mean, it was how he knew. I mean, how, how could he know? How could he know at that age? I mean, he, he hadn't been exposed to any, anything like that. He hadn't, hadn't read about, you know, Stonehenge or the Stone Age people or the tools they used and what they used them for, how he knew was absolutely mind-boggling. So I 100% believe in past lives. I believe that children definitely have more recall than adults. Um, I have had several experiences myself and I do believe that our interests reflect our past lives. Um, I mean, I have an interest in particular periods in history, and I do believe it's a connection to past life. Um, it's the same with my son. Interestingly enough, my younger son hasn't ever said anything like that or hasn't had any dreams or, um, you know, anything like that. So it's, it's chalk and cheese, really. But I just find it an absolutely fascinating subject. Um, yeah, I've got plenty, plenty of other experiences, particularly with James. Um, obviously, if people have listened to my podcast, they'll have more of an idea of that particular thought. But yeah, I find it all very interesting. Thanks again, Kate. Bye. Mate, um, I've just come across the podcast. Um, you know, this sort of stuff's always fascinated me, um, and I'm pretty excited actually that there's something that does go in depth to Australia because it's always, you know, English ghosts and stuff in America. But yeah, there's a lot of weird shit around here. I think. Um, I, I guess what I called up to tell you is, back in, I guess it would have been 2003, we lived um, on a big property um, that was, you know, within Brisbane, but still. A fair, a fair bit of scrub around us at that time um, and I saw something that I don't know it just always stuck with me I, I kind of stopped telling people because nobody knew what the hell I was talking about or really believed me but 
I was um, I was going for a walk up the back of the the property, kind of by myself. We've got a, a, a big dam there, um, and a lot, a lot of scrub that surrounds it. And um, I walked past the dam, and look, it's it's a short story really because it, it happened quickly. But I, you know, sometimes you see something and it just doesn't sit right. It, it feels unnatural, and I don't know. My eyes couldn't really process what I was seeing, but. I took a step around the corner and this this little, you know, I thought it was a, a fucking animal or something, but this little little black furry thing, it was, I don't know, probably a foot high, maybe, maybe two. I guess we're in Australia, so we don't have to speak and feed, do we? <laughs> it would have been about, I guess, 60 centimetres. It wasn't big. Um, and, you know, I thought maybe it was a, like a rabbit or something. You know, you get used to different animals. We got foxes out there and all kinds of things turning up. But what made me stood still and I can still see it and you know I still get the chills when I think about it um, is that it, it fucking walked it walked off on two legs I I don't really know what it was I mean you know you, you hear yowies and things like that but it was small um, I, I think my brain at the time thought oh I guess it was a, a monkey or something but you know I'm, I was I was about 15 at the time and I'm old enough now to know that we don't really get any fucking monkeys out here. But it just always stuck with me. It was it was small, it was really dark fur. It was covered in fur. But it, it just walked off as I turned this corner. It was right in front of me and it just walked and the speed that it walked, I don't it, it was almost it, it wasn't like it was running, but yeah, it was just unnatural. Um I, I froze, like, I wanted to run away, but I, I literally just froze, and I was just staring in the bush where it walked off, and I just kind of I backed off. I didn't want to turn my back on it, to be honest. Even though it was small, it was just just something so weird about it. Anyway, I'm just telling a story like uh, like you suggested with the numbers, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just really curious. I wonder if anyone knows what that is. Um, yeah. Thanks for that. Hi, guys. It was back in about 1998 and I'd moved into a flat in East Malvern with a girlfriend of mine. And um, after a couple of weeks we were living there, we, we had a, it was a, on the first floor. After a couple of um, weeks we were living there, I'd come home from work, which um, I used to come home at about four o'clock every afternoon. And my girlfriend, she'd come home at about 5.30 in the afternoon. So uh, I was in the building industry and I was filthy dirty, like I always was. So I jumped in the shower and when I've turned the taps on, I could hear music coming from the lounge room. And my first thought was, well, you know, my girlfriend's come home. So I finished my shower and I noticed that when I turned the taps off, I couldn't hear the music anymore, but I didn't think much of it. But when I came out of the shower and went into the lounge room expecting to find my girlfriend, she's not there. I thought, well, that's weird. So the next night, same things happened. I've jumped in the shower and I could hear music and I couldn't tell you what song it was. It was just like bass and drums. What the bloody hell is that? So I've turned the taps off and then I couldn't hear anything. So I've turned the taps back on, the water's running, and a couple of moments later, the music came back on and, and I swear it sounded like the stereo in our lounge room, in the flat. So I quickly turned the taps off and ran out, dripping wet, into the lounge room and no music, nothing's going on. Well, that's bloody weird. I thought I'm going crazy. So about a week later, it was about eight o'clock at night, and I had my um, back to a wall that was adjacent to a glass door and glass window that was floor to ceiling that led you out onto a balcony because we were on the first floor. It was a really small little balcony where you could have a cigarette if you wanted to, which I used to do. Anyway, my girlfriend was approaching me and said, hey, Nick, have you noticed anything weird happening since we've moved in here? And as soon as she said it, I swear to God, the door handle that I was only half a metre away from turned backwards and forwards 
about 10 times and then the window that was next to it had a window winder with a chain that pushes the window out did about 20 rotations so fast but the window didn't open it was just the handle that was turning it freaked me out right i'm getting goosebumps talking about it right now my girlfriend comes up to me like a scared cat with her claws out and digs them into me and goes did you just see that you know it was like oh my god i said look let's not talk about it i've heard if you talk about these things you give it energy so let's not talk about it we've signed a lease we're here for a year bloody hell we can't do anything about it something's obviously living here so anyway I don't know, six months or something went past and I had a mate of mine. He'd come over for a couple of drinks and it was about 12 o'clock one night and we're saying goodbye to him. We're standing in the lounge room and we used to have a glass door that separated the lounge room to the bedrooms, the two bedrooms that we had and the bathroom. Anyway, for some reason, we brought it up. Oh, you know, something's living here. You know, we've got something living here. And as soon as we started talking about it, oh my God, the glass door started to open, right? And it was like it was being pushed. It wasn't a smooth open. It was like a gradual where it opened and stopped and opened a bit more and stopped and opened a bit more, like someone was pushing it. And we all stopped talking with our mouths open, looking at this this door opening. It was like, are you kidding me? Anyway, all of a sudden, we, we, we I broke the silence. and said, look, mate, you've got to go. You've got to go home. You know, we've got to go to bed. I've got to go, get up and go to work. I don't want to talk about it anymore. You know, we just saw what we saw. He said, no, Nick, I've got to tell you something, man. I've got to tell you. What? And he said, it, it said peace. You know, my ear opened up and I heard peace, but it sound, sounded like as if it was like someone that had like brain damage or something that didn't speak clearly. Oh, I'm like, that's weird. What, what the freaking hell are you talking about? Anyway, there's a few other things that happened whilst with our own boy with that, just little minor things. But after three years, myself and my girlfriend's used by date, you know, the, the relationship had come up. You know, we, we decided that we'd break up. So I was looking for somewhere else to live. And I'm going through the local paper and I'm looking for share accommodation and I come across this bloke, you know, that's in the paper, he's advertising for a room. So I ring it up and I get talking to this bloke and he literally lives around the corner from where I was living, right? I was living on the corner of Moira Street and Malvern Road. It's a set of flats. And um, he was living opposite Darling Railway Station. So literally eight houses away. So we get talking and and, and once we'd established where he was and where I was, you know, he, he ends up saying, listen, I, I, I've got a sanctuary at the back of the house. And I go, well, what are you talking about? He said, well, every Tuesday night, I have people come around, come and visit me out in the garage, and I'm, I'm like a medium, I channel spirits. And I thought, oh, you know, bloody hell, that's all I need. I'm not moving into your joint. That was the first thing I thought straight away. But then I said to him, well, you might be able to help me, mate. And he said, oh, yeah, what's that? And I said, well, I've got something living here in this flat. And he said, oh, okay, just wait a minute. Just let me tune in. This is whilst he's on the phone. And he goes, oh, yep, 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 it's getting stronger. Yep, yep, it's getting stronger. He said, did you know there's an ancient Aboriginal burial ground next to the creek, which is right next to the freeway in Mole? And anyone that lives around that area would know that there's a creek right next to the freeway in East Malvern, and apparently there's an ancient burial ground, right, an Aboriginal one. And he said, you've got a young boy, he's 14 years old, and he's, he said, spastic, he's brain damaged. It's like, are you friggin' kidding me, mate? He nailed it. I never said anything about what my mate had said. It just gave me friggin' goosebumps. My God. So anyway, I mean, I could add a lot more to it. I could talk to you about it for bloody another hour of all the other things that happened. But um, I uh, recently, well, eight, nine years ago, I, I moved over to the other side of the city in the west. In, this is in Melbourne, of course, and um, it was a house that I bought. And uh, you know, since then, you know, I got sort of like I got married and we had a kid. And anyway, each night about two or three in the bloody morning, this little tiny red light—it was like the size of a jaffa, I reckon—would start floating around the room, and it would be going from side to side slowly, but it would speed up. And it was right when I was waking up. This would happen three or four times a week. It used to drive me nuts. And all of a sudden, this bloody red light would come right up over my face and then bang, a face would appear. And it would scare the absolute crap out of me. My head would sink into the pillow trying to get away from it and I would make a noise like, like this. It would always wake up my wife. And my wife would say, what's going on, what's going on? And it was like a little bit too hard to explain. I was sorry, babe, I just had a bad dream, you know. This went on for like two years. It was driving me nuts. Until at one point, this bloody red light, it would show up, 
And um, this time it was right near the door of the bedroom leading to the hallway to where the bathroom and that is. And um, it, like I said, it was always a different face. And I remember the, the last time it happened, it was this bloody young Asian chick. She must have been about 18, 19 years old or something. And bang, her, her face was only you know, half an inch away from mine. And that would happen to with all these people's faces that would always show up. Um, anyway, I eventually, I, and then after that, I told my wife, I said, look, you know, this is what's going on. And my wife's from the Philippines. And, uh, you know, the Filipinos can be quite spiritual. And I said, look, this is what's going on. Babe. I see this red light and it's always a different face and it's only inches away or an inch away from my face. It scares a friggin' hell out of me. And immediately she said, you need to go and see your mum. So my mum's dead, right? She's at the graveyard, of course. And my wife said, you need to go and see your mum. So uh, my wife never met me, mum, because she died, you know, long before we got married. So... You know, a couple of days later, we went out to the graveyard, and there's my wife, God bless her, she's bloody at the graveyard, talking to me mum, who she'd never met, saying, Mama, you know, you've got to tell the spirits to leave my my husband alone. Tell them to leave it, you know, they're not welcome, go away. And you wouldn't believe it, they never came back. Pretty cool, man. Really, really cool stuff. So a big believer in um, spirits and, and visiting you and all that kind of stuff but I can understand it can be quite uncomfortable when they come and visit you because they scare the crap out of you. What I have heard talking to some Aboriginal elders apparently they get a bit of a kick out of scaring you. They think it's funny. This is what yeah the Aboriginal elders have told me. Um, so they're saying you know don't be scared but they just get a kick. They, they think it's really funny you know so good on them. Anyway guys you take care and um, maybe speak to you another time. See you both. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Also, are you wanting more content? Why not become a Believe Plus member? You'll get access to exclusive podcasts and episodes that aren't available to the public. Not only that, you'll also get our regular feed without any ads. Head to believepod.com forward slash plus to sign up today for just $5 a month. Yeah, hi. My name's Tracy. I'm actually in Townsville now, but I used to live down at um, Maxville in New South Wales on the mid-north coast. My husband and I decided to go fishing one night, and it's out near um, uh, Southwest Rocks, um, Jerseyville, and there's a big bridge that you go over. Well, anyway, we used to go there and um, fish for the whole night. So we'd, we'd um, get in our canoe and we'd you know, row over there to the middle pylon of the bridge and because it's really good lighting from the lights up above. Anyway, my husband was fishing for some um, live bait while I was down the other end towards the mouth of the river and um, I threw in my line, which, you know, was kind of towards under the bridge and then because the tide was going out, so I was actually, you know, going with the line out with the current. Anyway, um, I don't know how long I'd actually been um, standing there for, but it, it was dark. It was about 1.30 in the morning, and um, uh, you could still see, like, it wasn't a full moon, full moon but it was actually um, where you could still see the tree lines, but it was pretty dark, but you could see the tree lines. Anyhow... I don't know how long I'd been staring out around that area for, but all of a sudden, in in the distance, in the water, a big, beautiful, light blue ring, uh, sorry, dark blue ring um, lit up in the water, and I was kind of staring at it, mesmerised by it, wasn't really thinking too much of it, um, and then not sure how long after, but um, a really big, light blue um, 
like a fluoro blue lit up around the darker blue ring and um, I was actually, yeah, still staring at it but not really thinking too much of it and it was almost like a trance type of feeling because there was nothing running through my mind at the time. I wasn't thinking about anything, just staring at this light. Anyhow, um, I've snapped out of it and kind of looked up, but out of the corner of my eye to the left, um, there was a house over there. There was this, I don't know what it was. I know I've seen something. I yelled out to my husband and I looked at it and it just went really, really quick. It just flashed out of sight. Um, I'm not really sure what I saw, but I know I saw something. And I have heard that um, other people have witnessed um, sightings around that area. Um, yeah, so that's my story. And actually, I'm always looking up in the sky, but I'm <laughs> kind of scared if I do see something again, but fascinated if I do. Anyhow, that's my story, and thank you for listening. Bye. This is um, uh, an event that happened to me in the northern suburbs of Melbourne, Victoria. And um, in the year of 1988, I was about eight years old. And um, what I can describe as a reptilian uh, encounter. Um, so I'll set the scene that what happened was it was uh, summer, this was during summer, and back in those days we didn't have um, roller shutters yet in 1988. So we had we had those pull down blinds um, that were attached to the window outside and you pull it down with a stick. So this was in the early morning. This would this was a Saturday morning and during the summertime the sun comes up and you know everything's pretty much lit up. With those kind of blinds the light can get in so you can pretty much see everything inside the room. Um, so I just like to um, stress out that point because it plays a major part. Um, so what happened was, it was early morning, um, I, was, I was in bed, laying down in bed, and I wake up, and I'm on, my, I'm on my right hand side sleeping. I wake up, I'm looking around, I can see the whole room and everything. Everything is normal. I haven't got sleep paralysis, you know, like, because people people might think that this is um, sleep paralysis. Um, so I I wake up. Everything's normal. I can see everything around me. I'm on my right hand side, and I decide to turn around onto my left side. And when I do this, um, I see something. On my on the left side of my bed, and as soon as I see this thing, I, I'm scared. You know, like what is this? So I'm still I'm still in bed. Um, I move the cover down, and I'm I I get up like I'm sitting up in bed, and I turn to my left, and I am face to face with what I can only describe as a reptilian alien being of some sort. Um, and when this happens, I am, I am paralyzed. So I've got a whole bunch of thoughts going through my mind. And like the first, first one was like, what the F is this thing doing in here? What is it? Um, I couldn't move, I couldn't scream. Um, 
I wanted to like jump out of bed and I couldn't do that. Um, but well, the whole time this is happening, I am sitting up in bed, like I'm, and like I got up from my from my right hand side to turn over to my left, and I'm face to face with this thing, and um, I'm looking at it, and it's got think of an alien grey with pure black eyes with uh, a classic alien grey with pure black eyes and its face is wrapped in what I can only describe as um, like reptile skin like a lizard and the colour of it was like a dark bluish green grey type of colour the, the eyes were pure black with like a a bone structure around the eye, sort of. Uh, it didn't have a nose, but it didn't have a nose like a like a human would have had. But it had like a like a, a tiny bit of raised bone structure underneath where the nose would have been, with with two holes for a nose and a very very thin mouth, a uh, very very sl uh, thin slit for a mouth, and. Yeah, and it had like a, it had a defined bone uh, jaw structure of it, but um, it didn't have any ears. It had like holes for ears, and this whole thing was just wrapped in like this uh, scaly li uh, lizard skin. Um, uh, so I'm in bed. This thing is about head height with with me sitting up, so I'm guessing it would have, it had to have been kneeling down. Um, and while this is happening, I'm feeling like a, a, a mental struggle, like it's trying to get into my mind. So it's very hard to explain. Like when, you, when you're quiet and you're in your own uh, mind of thought, you're in your own head you, by yourself, right? This thing, while it was staring into my eyes, it was, it felt like I had two people in my mind and in my body at the same time. Like it was trying to get into my mind and read and read, read every single thought that was going through my mind. Um, so I couldn't scream in any, I couldn't scream, move, or any, do anything like that. Um, so I'm thinking this this lasted for maybe two three minutes. Um, so I'm thinking how how am I going to get out of this? Um, being Italian, I'm eight years old at that time anyway. Um, not very religious, you can imagine. Um, the only thing I th the only thing I could think of was doing the sign of the Jesus cross in my in my visual mind. I, and so I did that and as soon as I did that I was released I could move look around the room and everything and, it, and this thing was still there um, so I was absolutely freaking out of my mind um, so when I was released I ripped the I looked down for the for the blanket and ripped that over my head and hid under the under the blanket for until I could hear my parents or my sister get up out of bed. Um, until then, I got the courage and tried to peek out, and this thing was it was gone. Um, so yeah, um, I don't believe it was uh, sleep paralysis because sleep paralysis people are usually um, laying down on their back and. And even if they wake up, they can look around and they're already seen, seen things that are not supposed to be there. So, like I said, I was, I was on my right-hand side. I woke up, everything was normal, and decided to turn over to my left when I saw this thing fucking... Oh, sorry, mate. Um, uh, just standing, like, kneeling down beside my left-hand side, so... 
that's that's pretty much it. So that's that's my my uh, experience. Uh, I don't think there's any more I could add to that. So see you later, mate. Hey, g'day. Um, yeah, my name's Lee, and had a uh, couple of UFO experiences. Sorry if I'm scratchy, I've just finished night shift. But they were both UFO sightings I had were six weeks apart, and it was it looked exactly the same. And both times I was on my motorbike. So the first time was riding to the Gold Coast. I looked in the sky ahead of me and it, it looked like a parachute. And what I noticed was it wasn't traveling left or right, up or down. It was just hovering. So I had a second look and I thought, there's no, there's no one underneath that parachute and it's not going anywhere. And after looking at it a bit closer, I noticed it was, sort of a bluey, pale blue color and it was, uh, it was see-through. And uh, I had to turn a corner, so I kept looking back and I finally lost sight of it. And I couldn't see it in the sky and I sort of, they had to let it go because I had to um, sort of maneuver through some traffic. And I came home, I told my wife, and I told a few other people, and I'm sort of, you know, we as excited as I was, I suppose. And then six weeks later, I had my wife on the bike with me, and we were chatting on the intercom, and all of a sudden she said, is that what you saw? And as she said that, I looked up, and it was exactly the same object just floating in the sky above us and we had a bit of a hill in front of us and we were riding around it so we lost sight of the UFO and we were only out of sight for a couple of seconds and and it disappeared and I said to my wife that was an F-11 flying through the sky we still would have been able to see it so it disappeared very quickly. But yeah, that's my sightings and it's really interesting. And it wasn't long after that that things started happening in the house. But uh, I live in an old house built in 1920, an old Queenslander, so I don't know if that's related, but I've seen a light in my house. I've heard, a, I've heard someone say hello and uh, yeah, I've also seen someone walk through the house, but pretty bizarre. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed the story. Thanks, guys. Okay, Nick from uh, Melbourne here, mate. Love the show. Um, I just wanted to tell you about my uh, few. My, I've had a few experiences, um, but uh, one of my um, things that have happened to me whilst working um, in the western suburbs uh, of Melbourne, um, I was working at a uh, quarry that had a um, concrete plant attached to it, and um, we were doing maintenance um, on uh, these things called ground bin so they hold rock and underneath them there's a big conveyor that feeds the rock to various parts of this uh, quarry plant and um, it's quite a, a long um, sort of tunnel with a conveyor it's probably about maybe 20 meters long um, and we're at the very end of it uh, fix, fixing up the, the framework that holds the conveyor um, and it's 
quite um, or can be quite dark and uh, sort of humid in there because all the water goes through the rock. Um, and uh, it's sort of a very sort of hot and cold type environment down there anyway. Um, I was working with a co-worker and um, just getting a sort of strange sort of feeling down there and uh, while we're doing the work and the co-worker left and I was doing some other uh, small jobs sort of halfway along the conveyor and I just got this feeling or I had this feeling um, whilst down there it was, something wasn't right I was sort of a bit sensitive to stuff like that um, and anyway uh, I've been working for a little bit and sort of something something just didn't feel right and uh, and then I was my own business working away and something gave me a massive shove in the shoulder and at that point yeah I was like nah I'm out of here so um, I ended up uh, jumping out of the tunnel and sort of you know gathered myself a bit and told my co-worker and he sort of shrugged it off and so went back uh, another day probably this was probably in about it was pre-covid so 2019 um and um we went back probably maybe a month later and um working on a different part same site different part of the plant um and uh, i was i had to go and pick something um in a workshop that was kind of near where these groundings were and um the workshop was pretty crappy dingy sort of little workshop but it had windows right around it um, and it was probably about maybe 300 metres away 250 metres away from where we were working um, uh, and um, so I, was, I had a team of blokes well there was a team of blokes that we were working with um, and that was, so they were all over on the other side of the plant and out of the corner of my eye whilst I was sort of I was grinding some stuff up um, I could see this black shadow walk past the little workshop I was in and um, I just thought I was one of the boys but I kind of looked and around and there was no one there and I just got that feeling like yeah something's not right here and um, and as I um, as I walked out and I was like nah I've got to got to get out of here. I just had this feeling I had to leave this workshop, get out of this workshop. And as I walked out, there was like a little uh, side office next to it. And then next to that, there was uh, about half, maybe three or four 44 gallon drums. And um, there was this black shadow behind it. And like, this is at, like at um, probably about 11 o'clock in the morning. Um, but this black shadow it was like it was like a black hole like it was the most the darkest thing i've ever seen in my entire life and, and like this it's in the you know daylight and it was just it was like i've never seen anything like this before and it just still creeps me out talking about it now um and then this the shadow it sort of like it sort of closed in on itself and um, and disappeared and then out from behind because it was behind these drums out from behind these drums came uh, I think it was two or three crows and they just flew up in the air um, and at that point I shit my pants big time um, and I just went over to the other blokes and I just I can see I was white as a ghost and um, I just worked with them over <laughs> over there and I stayed over there and I ended up telling a couple of the older blokes I worked with what had happened, and um, well, I got a little bit of ridicule from some of them, and um, you know, like as you do, because there's a lot of people who just are a bit closed-minded, I guess, um, or just don't understand. And uh, yeah, like they um, mentioned, there was a laneway behind this plant, this site that we were at. It's very isolated. It's in between like a concrete recycling plant, and um, it's just it's a really isolated industrial area. And um, there's also a train, little train line next to it too. So it's 
like if there's lots of um, side loader type, um, uh, I guess, um, carts for the train to carry rock and stuff in, you can't see this laneway. Um, but yeah, there was apparently a murder in the laneway some years back, I'm not sure when, um, and I don't know whether it was gang related or, or something like that, but anyway, it was it was quite a um, violent murder. And um, yeah, the, that, uh, it, it's, I've been told, I actually went to a, um, a medium and I asked about it and, um, and they said, yeah, it was something to do with that, that, that murder, that the person was a very angry person. And, um, and that's all I got told but, um, from the medium. But um, yeah, I, I hadn't. I sort of had to sort of tell tell it to go away, sort of thing, in, in my mind and, and out loud as well. And you know, I couldn't really help it because I, I just, I, you know, being a little bit open to these things. And um, anyway, um, some of the some of the people I asked about it said, yeah, that, that there's been a few strange incidents happening around the, the this work site, and that um, also the the one of the um, like a, a manager there had died too um, within the last well this is back in 2019 within the last few years um, and they'd worked, they'd worked there for a long time and um, there's a like a control room the two sort of, sort of two story type control room where there's like a lunchroom underneath and a control room up on top and um, some of the blokes who are on the night shift. Um, they can hear things moving around and footsteps up in the control room up above when they're having their meal breaks in the, at night um, and there's no one up there too so yeah it's um, one of the one of the uh, crazy paranormal type encounters that I've had um, I'd like to share it with you thanks Thank you for listening to this episode of the Believe Paranormal and UFO podcast. If you have had an encounter and you would like to share it, please get in touch with me. My email address is believepod at gmail.com. Finally, don't forget to follow us on all our social media outlets and be sure to join our Discord server to talk to other listeners of the show. You'll find all these links in our show notes. Thank you.